Let me talk to the entrepreneurs out there that need help in their business. Let me talk to people that are up against it financially. Maybe talk to people that want to be successful and just haven't been. Well, let me talk to you. Let me tell you how to do that. And you want to make God your partner, then you better learn to plan big because there's nothing that he can't do. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. And we are thrilled to be here with you today. Uh, we are part of the Spark Media Network, and this podcast can be found on the Edify app, uh, Pray.com, and KHCB, Uplifted Streaming, and so many more. Wherever you're listening, we just appreciate you tuning in, and we hope uh, to inspire you today. Actually, we know you'll oh, be inspired. Uh, no, I'm, I, if nobody else listens, <laughs> I will be inspired today yes. because of who our guest is today. We're going to talk all about prayer and yeah. change lives and the power of what God is doing. So, Wendy, I got to start out by asking you. Yeah. How's your prayer life these days? Well, you know how my prayer life is. We oh, pray together else. in a prayer chair. Tell everybody else how it is. It's fantastic. It really is. But it used to be <laughs> But that we can way. always well, get better remember, in our prayer life. Re- remember some of the things that we held on to like as kids? Yeah. You know, like, uh, so I was raised in a Catholic family. And when we sat down to eat, we had to have a certain prayer that was said. Mm-hmm. So we would race through it as fast as we possibly could. So you get to the food? Yeah. But, <laughs> Bless us, O Lord, and these I guess which you're about to receive from the bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh, my. I don't even know I what you said. Obvious, just a ritual, but anyhow. Well, speaking and, of ritual, um, my mom had something over my bed at night yeah. that we would pray. And I know you know what that is. It's the very scary kind of prayer. If I, if you think of it now, it's now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then if I should live for other days and on and on. Yeah, I so think every six-year-old wants to kid. So things have changed drastically <laughs> in our lives and, uh, and, they're, yeah. and we're still growing deeper thanks to yes. our guest today, Jim Maxim. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's an entrepreneur. He's a U.S. Marine. Yeah. And uh, he's founder of uh, Acts 413 Ministries. Yes. And 40 years ago, when Jim was at the lowest point of his life and laid out at death's door, his mother, go mom, prayed for the soul of her son. God answered her prayer and Jim's life was claimed. It was redeemed. It was transformed for Jesus Christ. And his dramatic story that you're going to hear of uh, in this conversation is found in his book, um, Face to Face with God. Mm, Can't wait to hear more about that Mm -hmm. story. Uh, Since that time now, Jim has been evangelizing. He's been counseling uh, and ministering in the name of Jesus literally all over the world. And in particular, Jim has been a burden to pray and to lead others in intercessory prayer uh, for pastors and their families and their churches. And God continues to use Jim through the power of the Holy Spirit to renew their prayer lives and to encourage God's people in their walks with him. Yeah. Now he's in, listen, oh. I, it's something I just kind of threw in here. It's oh, not what? in his bio, but oh. I threw this in here okay. because Jim is not an ordained minister Are you sure? that, that I know of, I'm <laughs> never sure, but, but in fact, he is a business owner. He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> But he's responded to God's call in his life, and he's someone who gives evidence that 
Here's a guy who spent time with Jesus. Yes, for sure. And he loves his family so much. Jim has been married to his lovely bride, Kathy, who we have had the pleasure of meeting as well for 45 years. And they have three sons, three daughter-in-laws and three grandchildren. So welcome to your biggest breakthrough, Jim. We are so excited to spend time with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, this is great. He's always got that smile on his face. Always, you know, always. It doesn't matter what's going on in his life. He's going to force a smile in through it. So. <laughs> I don't think it's forced. I just think, I think it's just there. Uh, yeah. Jim, uh, we've got so much we want to talk about, but we're going to go back to the beginning and start sort of with the backstory in your life. Uh, sure. Talk to us a little bit about uh, just your your childhood, your, your growing up years, and then what happened in terms of the circumstances that led you to Jesus. Well, thanks for asking. I, uh, I like yourself, was raised Catholic. So I know that prayer that you pray. <laughs> you know that, don't you? And did you pray it as fast? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There were eight kids in my family. Yeah. And, oh, boy. Yeah. And typically, uh, three quarters of the way through, the smart ones were grabbing the food. Quick. Exactly. <laughs> That's why we raced through it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, my mother uh, was not raised Catholic. She married my father and converted to Catholicism for him. And you know, eight children later, and uh, my father was uh, six foot four, two hundred eighty-five pounds. His name was nickname was called Big Jack. Uh, he owned a bar called Big Jack's Bar, famous for nothing. <laughs> my dad was uh, as an entrepreneur, but uh, he was also a severe alcoholic, mm. and um, we ended up losing our home. I was about twelve years old. I remember uh, my mother saying, "Jimmy, go out and uh, pull those." signs off the telephone poles down in the neighborhood and they were the sheriff's sale signs from our home. And uh, so our home was uh, repossessed, eight kids, uh, and really just all we knew, all I knew was dysfunction. I had no idea of, of a normal family life like some of our neighbors had. And um, so I started uh, hardcore drugs at the age of 15. There was a lot of dysfunction in our home. And I tell people we used to put the fun in dysfunction. And uh, but you know, when you're when you see that kind of life and you really can't make sense of it, you just kind of give up on everything. And so I gave up on my academics and anything like that. And I just started hardcore drugs at 15. And by the time I was 18, I was a full-blown alcoholic. And um, you know, for me. If I was awake, that meant I could drink. Uh, if I could, uh, if I could get high, and it was, it was in the seventies, it was tough enough back then as it was. Um, but if I could get high, that um, going to school, we'd get high on the way to school. We'd smoke dope in school and after school, and so for me, it was just a normal course of life. I used to shine shoes at a country club as a kid. And, you know, that's how I made my money and. Then one night we were at an employee Christmas party. I had uh, my buddy, I was got so drunk. He had to drive me home. His girlfriend drove his car and he drove me in his and he dropped me off and handed me the keys. It was about midnight. He said, I'll see you in the morning, Max. And I said, yeah, whatever. And I hid on the side of the house until he left. Because when you're an alcoholic, you don't drink just to drink. When you're a drug addict, you don't take drugs just to get high. You need them. If I, uh, my, my, if I was awake, that meant I could drink. If I could talk, that meant I could drink. So I, I hid on the side of the house and um, he left. I got back in my car. It was only midnight. So I knew I had bars built for a few more hours. And then it's something 18 years old, if you can imagine that. And um, 
so I went back up to the bar and started some more. And I went, uh, went out in my car and I was at a red light. I had an old eight track tape player in my glove box. If you can remember what that was. And uh, I leaned over to change an old eight track tape in my glove box. One fell on the floor. And as I bent over to pick it up, I passed out. I was so drunk. I came to for a brief second. A car was coming at me. I passed out again. They said my vehicle went up an embankment and came down and hit a telephone pole. And I flew through the passenger side of the windshield. And after my face and head went right through the glass, the weight my shoulders hit the windshield and stopped me. And the weight of my body dragged me back down in across the jagged glass and just lacerated my face like a bunch of razor blades. They said my vehicle was on a side hill, lie on an embankment. And cops told me later that when they put their foot in the car to pick me up, I was a pretty big guy, 6'3". And he said, Max, when I tried to brace myself to pick you up, he said the blood came up over the top of my shoe because my face was in the passenger floor compartment. And um, I don't remember any of that, but he said that uh, they got me out of the car and when they were putting me in the ambulance, he said his buddy looked at him and said, forget it, it's two ladies dead. And I don't remember this, but they said, no, I looked at him and said, I'm still with you. And so they got me into the emergency room. It's about, I guess, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning now. And they called my mother and said, Mrs. Maxim, your son's been in, in an accident. Your son Jim's been in an accident. Um, she said, well, can I come down in the morning? Because this was nothing new for mom. I just got out of jail for you know, stupid stuff, punk stuff. And, and um, you know, this was just an ongoing thing between my, between my brothers and I. There were five boys and three girls in my family. And so they said, no, ma'am, you don't understand. You need to come tonight. So my father was drunk, passed out in the bed, and, and uh, she came by herself. You know, if you can imagine a mother getting in a car, all the dysfunction in the home or her five out of eight of us in the family were alcoholics. And um, so if you can imagine a mother getting in a car, someone that uh, really, I'll tell you about her prayer life in a minute, but somebody that really knew what it was to pray. She got in the car and coming down to the hospital and uh, she they came in and said, ma'am, your, your son's in a coma now. Um, we really don't know what's going to happen. He went through the windshield and uh, the intern is in there pulling shards of glass out of his eyes. We don't know if he'll ever see again out of his left eye. And because of the cut in the top of his skull, the brain damage is a very real possibility. It's a very, very deep cut. But he's in a coma and we really don't know what's going to happen. We're doing the best we can. We can't find a plastic surgeon. So the intern is just sewing his face up to stop the bleeding. My mother just, you know, she told me, she said, Jimmy, when I got in the car on the way home, she said, Satan was relentless with me that night. Isabel, where's this great God of yours now? Tell me about this all-powerful Jesus Christ you want to praise and worship. Tell me about this Bible you read about the faith of Almighty God. Where's this Jesus Christ when you need him, Isabel? Look at your husband. Look at Jack. Look at Jane. Look at Jim. You're going to tell me this Jesus Christ has any power? She used to say, Jimmy, it was relentless. He was just tearing my faith apart. And She said, all I could do, Jimmy, when I got home, I, I fell on my knees next to the bed where we had heard her cry so often for our souls. And she said, I was just crying out to God. Please, Jesus, don't let him be blind. Jesus, please, when's it going to end? Almighty God, please, can't you do something? Please, God, touch him. When she was interceding for me, what she didn't know, that in my coma, I was falling through darkness. And it was as real as me sitting here with you two today. 
I reached out my arms on both sides to kind of break my, the fall. I thought perhaps I could grab a railing or some type of uh, something to stop this fall. But as I reached out uh, my arms, there was nothing there. I kept falling. And then my fall, I just stopped falling. You have to understand, I had never been to a Christian church, as we know it. I had never read the Bible. I had never heard about wicked spirits and high places and demonic forces and principalities, rulers, all of that stuff. My concept of Christianity was, you know, certainly not what I learned it to be. My fall, I came to a stop, and I remember it was like a black room. Just everything was black around me. And I looked over on my left-hand side. And I had no concept that I hit a telephone pole. I had no idea I was in an accident. I didn't know what was going on. But I looked on my left-hand side, and I saw these two things standing there. I had never seen demons before. Oh, when I was tripping on drugs, hallucinogenics, I saw lots of different things, but never never demons that were standing right next to me. And, of course, I didn't know they were demons. I just saw these two creatures standing there. And I knew that they were going to get me. I mean, I'd been in jail, and I'd been around some pretty tough guys, and I could handle myself. But this time, I knew I was in trouble. I couldn't get a gun, a knife, a club. There was nothing I could get. And I knew that these two things, whatever they were, they were going to get me, and they were going to do something to me. I learned later on in my life that those were the demons that were living in me. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. And I certainly gave every place to what what could I, what did I care? I didn't understand that by playing around with those types of things, I was inviting the demonic presence of hell to control me. No drug addict, no alcoholic for whether it's pornography or whatever it is, whatever you open your life up to, if you want to be controlled by it, they will control you one way or the other. I had no understanding of that. And they came to claim their property. So my mother, as my mother was home praying for me, she said, Jimmy, as I went out in intercession before God, she said, I, she said, once I was asking God, to, when's it going to end? And God, can't you do this? And can't you do this? She said, Jimmy, the Holy Spirit came alongside of me and said, Isabel, that's enough now. Isabel, that's enough. You've asked God. You've sought God's hand. Now let's seek his face. Isabel, let's begin to worship God because he's worthy, Isabel. Isabel, begin to praise God like the singers in the Old Testament, like the trumpeters in the Old Testament. Isabel, begin to praise God and thank God for who he is. Isabel, there's nothing that God cannot do. Begin to praise him. So <laughs> she told me that she stopped crying out to God for my salvation and went into, went into praise and worship and adoration to God. She's, I don't know how long it was, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. But she used to go like this to me with her index finger. She said, Jimmy, when I went out and praise and worship the almighty God, she said, I saw his hand, Jimmy. I saw his index finger come down and touch your left eye. And if that, that was God's way of telling me that you were going to be okay. Great. But whatever it was, whatever it was, Jimmy, I knew that almighty God was going to do something great in your life. And and what she didn't know that all this stuff is going on. Now, when she was interceding for me and these demons were, they were walking towards me, just about to get me. It was then that Jesus Christ came walking right at me. I saw Mm -hmm. the Lord. I can't describe him too much. If it makes sense, it was a spiritual thing, but Jesus, I mean, I, I, I could tell you basically what he looked like, but that's not the point here. He came right to me. And not word for word, but the essence of the discussion, because I don't want to exaggerate. I just want to try to give you an idea of what this atmosphere was like. When I looked at him, 
he said to me, not word for word, but the concept was, he said, Jimmy, you've been playing around long enough. Do you want to continue? And I said, Jesus, I don't. In other words, what must I do to be saved, right? I said, Jesus, I don't, but what do I have to do? Become a priest, a monk, and nun, lock myself up in a room, read a Bible the rest of my life. What do I got to do? I, I prayed that prayer in jail. Get me out of this jam and I'll go straight. What, what do I have to do? I, I, I knew I couldn't shake the monkey on my back. I tried that. Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he looked at me and he said to me, Jimmy, if you ask me to cleanse you and forgive you, I will. He said, Jimmy, if you ask me, I will give you the power in your life to overcome the drugs and the alcohol. He said, Jim, if you ask me into your life, I will become your best friend and I'll walk with you and talk with you the rest of your life. But I will not barge my way into your life. You have to ask. And I, I knew, right? I knew I needed help. I knew that there was nobody that was going to help me except Jesus Christ, whoever he was. And I said, Jesus, please help me, Jesus. Please help me. Please forgive me. And I'm unconscious in this coma. And whatever those two things were, they left. And I woke up several days later, a couple days later, and my mother said, I, I, my jaw was busted, came right through my skin and teeth were busted out of my face. I had my jaw wired shut. I had five tubes in my body feeding me and draining me intravenously. And when I came out of my coma, my mother said, the first words that I muttered through my broken jaw was, Mom, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. So she knew that when she went out in intercession for me, she knew when she went out in intercession that God was going to meet her. And then she learned the power of praise, the power of faith, the power of confessing God's omnipotence over your children. The power of God doing what only God can do. She realized that what that scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to make God happy. She knew that if she would begin to praise God in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that ugliness, when the spirit of God said to her, Isabel, that's enough now. Let's begin to praise God for who he is. She pulled down the demonic forces for me, and she brought Jesus Christ to me through her intercession. Wow, Jim, I'm telling you, we're sitting here just, I, so I, I heard parts of that story. I haven't heard the whole story. Like, I didn't know that you had that like near-death experience and you were actually experiencing the the epitome of evil, which is where you were headed while your mother was interceding. And I think a couple of things strike me. One is that uh, nobody taught your mom how to pray that way. With the Holy Spirit is the one who taught your mom to pray that way. Yeah. And but what's what's encouraging for me is that even at times when we don't know how to pray and we're begging God for an answer, if we're going to be truly open and aware of his presence, he can he can sort of bust in and lead us into the direction he wants us to go. And in your mom's case, it was you've asked enough, now it's time to worship. And your story has just taught us all a really solid lesson about when we go through tough times yeah. like that, rather than just beg and beg and beg, just stop and start praising God. Yeah. And have and supernatural faith. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, so I was going to ask you though, like, like, so why is prayer so important to you? I think I know why now. <laughs> <laughs> you learned a lot just through that life experience in your, and your, and your mom's prayer life. Uh, so what happened at that point? You're, you're in the hospital now. Uh, you're God has healed your eye. Um, take us Your from, face, yeah. from that point on, you know, you've got Jesus Christ living in you. You know, you've been forgiven. Where did things go next? You know, it, 
it's a great story, and I happen to be in it, but it really is a story of a woman that knew her God. And so what happened from there was um, I was in the hospital for a while, and my friends came in the room. They brought me a bottle of wine and some drugs and said, Jimmy, we'll, don't worry about it, man. We'll get you high. Things, things will be good. Wow. And uh, you know what? I would have done the same stupid stuff. Or what, well, they didn't yeah. know any better. And But I, I looked at them. I heard her talk to her customer. I said, I said, uh, I said, no, man, I met God. I'm not going back. And they said, what? I said, I met God. I'm not going back. They said, oh, no, you just hit your head a little too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, whatever. <laughs> then uh, my dad, uh, whenever I was going to get checked, I was supposed to get checked out in the morning after I was there for a while. And uh, he came in the night before and he was drunk. You got to remember, he's 6'4", 285, big guy. He said, come on, we're leaving. I said, for what? I was supposed to get checked out in the morning. He said, I said, we're leaving. Get your stuff. So he didn't argue with him. So I said, all right, whatever. And he's drunk. So I get in the car with him. Yeah, he meant well. Just when you're an alcoholic, you just, you're, you're just screwed up. You just don't understand. You're under the control of a, a demonic influence. And so he, he uh, I said, I'm in the car with him. And I said, Dad, go past the church. He said, for what? It's 10 o'clock at night. This guy said, Dad, go past the church. So he knew I was serious. So I said, wait here. So I got out of the car, and uh, that was back in the days when they left the churches unlocked at night. And I opened the doors, and I, I walked down to the center aisle. And I went to the went down to the first row there, the first pews, and I sat there. And I looked up at the crucifix, and I, I said, Jesus, I don't understand what you did to me. I don't know what those things were. Thank you for not turning your back on me. Thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for... Thank you that you didn't want to be my friend. I couldn't explain salvation to you. I, I couldn't have told you I was born again, filled with the Spirit. I couldn't have told you anything like that. But what I did know was as screwed up as I was, Jesus Christ came to me at the lowest point of my life. Jesus Christ looked at me and said, Jimmy, I'll be your best friend. I know what you're like. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. So I stayed up pew for, I don't know, half hour or whatever, and got back in the car with my dad, went home. And then uh, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. This was 1971. I enlisted in the Marines about, I don't know, two, three months before this. And I was out partying, you know, before I had to go. And so I got home and got healed up for a week or so. And then went right back to the bar where my friends were. Because where was I going to go? A prayer meeting? I'd never, you know, I'd never heard of one. I wanted to see my buddies. I wanted, wanted some, you know, what I thought was fellowship. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, different, you know, different style. Camaraderie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I needed some friends. So I went right back to the bar. I walked into the bar and I had still some stitches in my face because they had over 300 stitches they put in my face. And, oh, my word. And uh, I couldn't take them all out at one setting. It was over multiple times. And um, so I got in the bar and I remember my jaw was wired shut. I couldn't talk. And my buddies looked at me and said, hey, Max, good to see you. And hi, everyone's high-fiving each other. And, and then we all jumped in the car and the typical stuff happened. You know, I'm in the back seat. Somebody cracked open the booze and let the pipe pass around the pills and started passing around the joints and it came to me. And I said, no, man, I'm not doing it. I'm, I told you, I'm not going back. He said, Max, what are you talking about? I said, look, man, I told you, I'm not going back. He gave me a second chance. He gave me a second. That was my explanation of being born again. He gave me a second chance. I thought, I'm not going back. And then my buddy jumped and said, hey, man, he's been through enough. Leave him alone. 
So we got back to the bar and I got out of the car and I said, hey guys, I'll see you later. And it was right then and there, when I got out of that car, right then, I knew I was different. I knew I'd never go back. I, I knew that Jesus Christ did something to me that was lasting, that was permanent, that was different. I couldn't explain it. So I said, I'll see you later, guys. And I walked home. And I got home and, um, you know, my mother, yeah, she was saved. Yeah, she knew the Bible. But you got to understand, I mean, I was never at home. You know, when your mother's talking to you about Jesus, you expect that, right? You expect her to tell you something about whatever. whatever. Right. And, uh, but I, so she started trying to pull out of me what happened. And I, you know, it was, it was difficult to tell us, mom, what do you want me to say? I mean, it's hard to explain miracles, you know, cause that's a, it's a miraculous thing that happened and, and it is hard to explain. Yeah. Supernatural. Right. Yeah, it really is Wendy. And, and uh, so I, you know, I got, uh, I was started to get stronger and get healed up and I left for the Marines about, I don't know, three months after this, four, four, about four months after this, I left for the Marine Corps. And uh, my dad my dad dropped me off at downtown Pittsburgh at the bus station uh, to go to Paris Island. So when I got to the bus station, the second greatest miracle of my life was about to happen. But I didn't know it. I sat down in the bus station. I looked over my left-hand side, and I saw these little black books sitting there, these little New Testaments they were called. Uh-huh. <laughs> Little New Testaments with Psalms and Proverbs and from this thing called the Gideons, whatever they were. Yeah. And uh, so I picked it up and in the front of it, it said, when afraid, when lonely, when leaving home, turn to page such and such. So I did. It guided me over to Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. And it said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would hear my voice and open the door, then I would come into him and dine with him and he with me. And I said, okay. That's what Jesus said. He wouldn't barge his way in. I, I had to ask. And then it got me over to this other verse in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you could be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. I said, okay. And then it got me over to this guy named Nicodemus. And, uh, <laughs> And I started reading this story. This guy wanted to know about Jesus, but he was ashamed. So he, he went to him at night. And he said, at least, Rabbi, what do I got to do to be saved? <laughs> and said, no, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus was basically saying what I was saying. What do you mean, born? What am I going to enter my mother's womb a second time and come out? What, what are you talking about? And Jesus said, no, man, you missed it. That which is born of the flesh will die flesh. But when you're born of the spirit, you'll never die. Your body may die, but you, the real you, will never die. You'll live with me in eternity. I, I Hang on a second. So so God literally at the bus station enrolled you into Bible school. I you thought, thought, going, awesome. you thought you were going into the Marines, but God had other plans also. That was so good. But, you yeah. know, I, I love how God connects all the dots and he he reveals when we are ready to to receive the the answers and, and to get the the fruit of, of what's happening. Right. And so I think that it's so beautiful how he he just kind of, you know, wooed you in. He wooed you in here and there. And and so, you know, you didn't know how to pray. 
but you sure do now. And so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that. You had a praying mom, like go mom. Like I need to meet Isabel, but I'm telling you, um, I, I just, I, I think about the the power of a praying mom. Right. And, and I know I'm a big prayer warrior for my, uh, kid and, and our, and our children too. But, um, how, why do you think some people don't know how to pray? Like your, your mom necessarily didn't know how, but yet she just, she, she did, she took action. And so, well, Wendy, the, the greatest teacher in my life has been pain. You know, the idea of the theology of suffering, we don't really understand the theology of suffering. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole big deal. And, you know, we don't have time to get into it today. And I'm not really a theologian, but I can tell you one thing. I've learned more through pain. Pain has been my greatest teacher because pain has emptied myself of myself. Pain has brought me before God Almighty and taught me that there's nothing that Almighty God can't do. So my mother, through all the dysfunction, she has watched Almighty God intervene. She, she used to say to us, uh, we'd say, yeah, God's a, God's, a, yeah, God's a mighty God. He's, no, don't you ever say God's a mighty God. She said, there's yeah. nothing. that, that your, your dad in heaven is almighty. So you know, Hebrews 5, 7 says this. With loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed to his father. Mm-hmm. And because of his reverence for God, God heard his cry. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, you just asked me, why do most Christians don't pray? Why do most Christians don't spend the time before Almighty God? Why is it? Well, there's a lot of spokes in the wheel. One of the spokes is Satan hates us. Satan is jealous of us. There's only one thing that Satan wants from us. One thing. Because if he has this, he's got it all. That's our intimacy with Almighty God. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in John that if He that loves me and obeys me, he it is that my father will love, and we will come and make our home with him. Jim, I, I, wow, yeah, that's, that's powerful. Um, I'm just thinking about those who are going through a painful time in their life right now, and they've been calling out to God, uh, and they're hearing your story, and they're hearing how your mom went from calling out for help to giving God praise for who he is. Can you help that person who's listening right now? Say, I'm in such pain. I don't know how to even begin to praise God. How can I do that? Emotionally, I'm, I'm spent. Why won't God just answer my prayer and help me? Can, can you maybe just help them over the line? How do you get to that point where you literally are giving God praise and worship in the midst of horrifying pain? Sure, absolutely. You know, first of all, understand that your Father in heaven loves you so much. Your father in heaven gave his very, very best for you. So your father understands the pain that you're experiencing, whether it's pain that you caused or pain that perhaps a loved one caused. Your father in heaven is compassionate and kind and gentle. Your father in heaven loves you more than anything. And and because we live in a fallen world, bad stuff is going to happen. Remember that God started this thing out in the first place with the Garden of Eden. God's design for his creation was never to have pain. God's original intent was for us to live in complete and uninterrupted fellowship with him, with him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That was God's original intent. Now, because we live in a fallen world, the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. What's that mean? Well, it simply means that we're going to live with bad stuff in our community. We're going to live with bad stuff in our lives. When we want to change the atmosphere, when we want to say, you know something, Father, Paul Paul the Apostle wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 
And he said, I'm, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I, I, I do, I don't want to. Who can save me from this wretched man? So God understands our fallenness. There are many days I don't want to worship God. There are many days I don't want necessarily want to go get up early and go seek the face of God and praise him and worship him. But I know that in my flesh, if I would deny my flesh and ask God to help me and to strengthen me, I can't serve God without him, without his strength. I can't praise him without his strength. I can't be the solid Christian I want to be without God enabling me. So why would I want to try? So I would say to my brother or sister that's going through this trial right now, say out loud to God, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. My faith isn't where it, where it needs to be, but you know that already. Please help me, Dad. Father, please help me. Almighty God, would you please allow the Holy Spirit to shower me today with his presence. Father, I can't serve you. Can we pray for a second? Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, God, for this time with Wendy and Todd. Thank you, Lord, for all those that are listening right at this very moment. Father, thank you for the privilege to come before you and to bless you and to worship you and to praise you. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we bless you. Holy Spirit, we worship you and praise you right now. Holy Spirit, we magnify you and submit to you. Holy Spirit, forgive us for not understanding your ways and not inviting you into our problems. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you told us to go and wait for the promise of the Father. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, please encourage my brother or sister listening right now. Father, please allow them to sense the presence of Almighty God right now. Father, please help them to praise you. Help them, God. Come alongside of them. Holy Spirit, please. Holy Spirit, please fall upon them fresh. Minister to them. Bless them and strengthen them, please. And thank you, Lord, for Todd and Wendy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jim. You know we were going to have you pray at some point anyway, because yeah. you can pray, because we have been listening to you. We've been going through one of your uh, 21 days of, of deep prayer uh, books that also has the audio prayers with it, and it's just been so powerful. But I want to ask you, uh, when when people are praying, you know, whether they're in pain or just uh, just in a place of, of you know, wanting to become more like Christ and, and and they feel like, you know, God isn't answering their prayer. What would you say to that person? Like how, how, how long do they keep on praying? That's a great question. A friend of mine uh, just sent me a little uh, quote the other day. It was, it says something about um, God. Why, why wouldn't you heal my son? God, why wouldn't you heal him? I've been crying out to you. And what? And the response from God was, I healed your son's spirit. We are pilgrims passing through. We're, our concept, our understanding of Almighty God is so limited to this finite earth. Uh, you know, we, we just had a dear, dear, dear friend of ours attempt suicide. And uh, this is a person that was very close to the family. And, and, and we love this person with all of our hearts. And, and yet this person struggles with addictions and, and mental illness and all kind of stuff. And his family is not going to give up on God because of that. If anything, his family understands more than anything. They're crying out to God today, worshiping God, praising him, thanking God, ministering to God. The great I ask God daily, I said, Father, will you allow me to wash your feet with my spirit? Father, would you please allow me to wash your feet with my spirit? I know I can't do it physically, but God, help me to humble myself and abase myself 
help me, God, to, to, to empty myself before you, because there's the secret to everything right there. When somebody enters into God's presence, all bets are off. There's nothing that Almighty God can't do. Because when you, when you bring God's presence into your situation, and, how, and that, that's a key, what I just said, when you bring God's presence into the situation, for example, when stuff happens, we have the privilege to say to ourselves right then and there, am I going to be overrun by this? Or am I going to bring the presence of Almighty God into this? Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do? How, how, how do you do that? Get out of the way. Yeah, again, remember, <laughs> remember, it's not about being a quote-unquote super Christian. No, it's about being an empty Christian that needs filled every day. That's good. I, I think that, Jim, that's so good because I think part of our problem is when we're praying, we don't think, it seems like God isn't answering the prayer. So should I keep on praying? In a way we would want him to answer probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the reality is it's because we have this limited perspective. And if when we bring God's presence into our situation. When we do that, our perspective changes. God gets so much bigger and we realize that he may have already answered in his way, or he may be answering in a different way than we might expect. And so we don't, we don't give up. And especially in light of what you've just been sharing, we bring God's presence into the situation and then things really begin to change. Now, I just, I got to go back for just a little bit because here is the, the bus station guy who's getting Bible school on the way to the Marines, you come through the Marines, you, you're an entrepreneur, you've started business, has been very successful in life in that regard. And yet the whole while God has you doing ministry that continues to grow. And you have a wonderful ministry called Acts 413. You've partnered with other ministries. Uh, I encourage people to go to your website, Acts 413. You have a heart for pastors. Oh, tons of resources on there. Uh, but I, But one of the things I think that really strikes me is that people just don't know where to start. And I want to encourage them that on your, on your website, you've got some phenomenal resources and you're never, you've like never arrived. Like Wendy and I are so hungry for more Yeah, and we are, we're literally right now going through one of Jim's books, 21 days of, uh, of deeper it's prayer. It's been so profound. Well, and you, so wonderful. And you provide yeah. audio prayers mm -hmm. along with that. So we can literally every day now go to that, like day number eight, click the little audio button on the website there on that landing page and pray along with you. And so I just, I, I want to thank you for that. I want to offer to our listeners an opportunity to really go, if you want to learn how to pray, because. And, and uh, that website is Jim. It's back. Uh, uh, www.acts413.net, acts413.net. There you go, acts413.net. And, and if you want to know why we chose Acts 413, I'd be glad to tell you. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, no, serious. I was, was curious. What? How did that come about? Because now you have this. By the way, you still have your businesses going? Uh, yeah, my sons are running them now. Yes. And, is it, and this is um, um, auto... I can't recall what your business is. Yeah, well, we have several components to it. We we had a big software company. We ended up selling that for the automotive industry. And then ah. we uh, manage reinsurance companies for automotive dealers offshore. And, and um, then we have a sales and training company and um, sell reinsur or sell insurance products to dealers and uh, some real estate stuff, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got nothing else nothing going else on better than your, Oh my god! Because goodness. he's so busy doing ministry too. He's got marketplace so ministry too. What was the genesis? How? Uh, first of all, yeah. How did that ministry start, and why did you call it Acts four thirteen? 
Well, when I was in the Marine Corps and I got to Paris Island, it's a it's a great story. Uh, you got to remember, I just got out of the hospital. I had no plastic surgery, so my face was a wreck. I I looked like uh, my dad when I came. My dad said, "You look like, like Dracula, man." I said, "Whatever." Like, yeah, nobody's gonna mess with me in the Marine Corps. Yeah, so <laughs> so I get to Paris Island, and my scar—it was just three months, four months after my accident. So my scars are still very red, and over three hundred stitches in your face. And so I get there, and the drill instructors—you know, this was no political correctness in the seventies. Like, <laughs> right. These are combat-hardened veterans from Vietnam trying to get us in shape to go to Vietnam, and um. They get they come up from in front of me. Maximus, it looks like you tried to French kiss a freight train, boy. <laughs> he said, Maximus, it looks like you went to a hatchet fight and left yours at home. Uh. And, uh, and on and on and on. So the guys in the Marines would say, Maximus, what happened? And I, I'd just tell them, I said, well, you know, I was drunk, partying, it all messed up. And, you know, I went through the windshield. And um, I said, man, what happened? You, you know, you still drink with us? No, man. I'm, I'm done with that. I said, I met God. And they did what you just did, Todd. <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now you got to understand something. <laughs> these are United States Marines. These guys, they weren't necessarily yeah. theological students. You know, they, these guys, <laughs> these are the guys that I used to run with. And, and they were pretty tough guys. And, and they said, Max, what are you talking about? I said, look, man, I met God. What do you want me to tell you? I said, uh, <laughs> he gave me a second chance and, uh, they'd see me. So, oh yeah, by the way, that little new Testament that I picked up at the bus station, I took that with me every day of my life through the Marine Corps. And they used to see me reading it. And, uh, the drill instructor would say, what are you a preacher maxim? I said, no, sir. No, sir. Probably just believes in God, sir. He said, well, nothing wrong with that. So the, the guys would come up to me and ask me, you know, so Max went up to your face and I tell him and, and in the Marines at Paris Island, I've never met any man that didn't break at one point. That was a different, if it was a different time in our nation, it was a different kind of Marine Corps. I mean, they, every, this was a boot camp was really boot camp. And so every man, they bring it to the end of yourself so that they may build you up their way so that you will understand that when the stuff hits the fan, you'll be able to make it. You don't have to worry about it. And, and the guys in the foxhole next to you, they don't have to worry about you. We started out with 120 guys in our platoon. We graduated with 93. And out of that 93, about 36 of us were originals. That's how many flushed out. Um, so, but they looked at me and they said, Max, what's going on? And I'd tell them. And so then it, then the Lord guided me over, the Holy Spirit guided me over to Acts 4.13 one day. And that scripture says, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and realized they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them as having been with Jesus. And I realized that my life was different because I had been with Jesus. I realized that this time I was, in, I was spending in his word was getting me next to Jesus. I realized that this, this Bible thing wasn't fake. I realized that there was power in this book. Whenever I read this book, it was changing my life. I had never been to Christian church, a pastor, or prayer meetings, nothing. But I knew this Bible was real. And so I was telling these other guys about this guy named Nicodemus. And I was telling these other these guys about, you know, how to get saved. And look, this is what it says, man. I see stands and knocks. You got to open the door, though. He's not barging his way in. It's up to you. He, I'm telling you, you want to be, you want, you want him as your friend? 
You want him to help you? He'll do that, but he ain't going to play around with you. So you had to correct the sergeant and say, yeah, you know what? I think I am a pastor, by the way. <laughs> so that's how that's how it all started. Beautiful. So good. I just Hallelujah. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. I mean, yeah. it is just a, you have such a remarkable story that I mean, we had to have you on your biggest breakthrough, like just the, the miraculous supernatural activities that um, through the near death experience and through the, the power of your praying Isabel mom, like I, I just I, I can just, I, how tall is she? I, I picture like a, a shorter woman, but power, you know, like is she like a little tiny lady? <laughs> Yeah, Isabel is about five foot three. Exactly. You know, yeah, but you don't mess with Isabel. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that you could be on the, the podcast today. Thank you for sharing all that God has done in and through you and continues uh, to do uh, in you with your your passion for prayer. And so, Todd, did you want to ask me about the where he's going with his uh, books and, and all that you're working on? Y- yeah, so... I- Jim, again, I just want to invite listeners to yeah. your website, Acts 413. You're partnering Net. with a number of uh, good ministries, and you have so many really great resources there that I just want to encourage people, if you are not satisfied with your prayer life, if you just know that you know that you know there's something more that God has for you, you but deeper. you just don't know how to enter in, I promise you, if you'll pick up a few of these resources, yeah. it will be better than what you could possibly expect. One of the, we were, we happened to be with, we met Jim actually at a, a summit that turned into kind of a prayer summit yeah. uh, along with the strategic renewal, some great people, Daniel Henderson. Uh, and one of the things that, that Wendy and I benefited from, because we haven't experienced this very often was in, in a prayer group, we were praying through one of the Psalms. And there's probably no greater thing that delights the heart of God when he hears his word being prayed back to him. And such a simple thing. And yet, Jim, I, you know, I've, I've led Bible studies and I've got lots of Christian friends. I don't see a lot of people literally praying through the Bible. Maybe just a quick comment on that for someone who says, well, I want to get started today. Uh, tell them how they can do that using God's word. That's a great, thank you. Uh, let me talk to those that, uh, would want to do it for selfish reasons first. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to the entrepreneurs out there that need help in their business. Let me yeah. talk to people that are up against it financially. Maybe talk to people that want to be successful and this haven't been. Well, let me talk to you. Let me tell you how to do that. And you want to make God your partner, then you better learn to plan big because God, there's nothing that he can't do. When I learned to go to Proverbs chapter two, And Proverbs chapter 2 says, and I pray this way to God, Proverbs chapter 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, and if you incline your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. If you do this, then you will understand righteousness and justice. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So I learned to pray this scripture out loud. Father, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, your word's telling me right here that if I receive your words and if I treasure up my command, your commandments within me, 
that you, and if I make my ear attentive to wisdom, and if I incline my heart to understanding, that wisdom will come into my heart. So I would repent. Father, I repent right now. I repent, God, because I haven't done this. I haven't received your words. I don't treasure your commandments. I don't call out for insight. I don't seek it like silver. God, I don't do this. So God, please help me. Forgive me. God, you said that wisdom will come into my heart, that knowledge and understanding, you'll store it up for me. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, God, and cry out to God. Pray this word back to God. I mean, you got to understand something. He's only God. And you want to make him your partner? And you don't want to submit to his ways? See, we don't understand. God, God has Come no on, Jim. Come on, Jim. <laughs> God has no problem with us making millions. No problem. But who cares about millions in comparison to experiencing your dad's presence? That's right. Who cares about millions and millions of dollars? Who cares about Rolexes and Mercedes and property? I mean, cut me a break. If you understand the, what, be, what being in the presence of God is, oh, yeah. if you can understand that of emptying yourself and confessing your sins and asking the spirit of God to cleanse you and that by the blood of Jesus Christ and fill you with his presence, God will give you wisdom beyond anything. That's it. I mean, it's nice to have money. It's nice to have nice things, sure. But that pales in insignificance in comparison to worshiping Jesus Christ and having him as your best friend. That's so good. Best friend, best partner, and his word is the ultimate instruction book. And so you um, stated it very clearly there as well. So thank you for kind of guiding us through. Yeah, thanks uh, some, for modeling. Yeah, that. yeah, thanks for uh, modeling because I think someone listening right now is 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 full on blessed with that and equipped to to say, oh, okay, I get it. I'm going to go to God's word, to Proverbs or Psalms or whatever, and start praying His words back to Him. So thank you for that example and being such an incredible role model for for having and going deeper in your faith and deeper in your prayer life and and um, wanting to um, really just go deeper in understanding and and experiencing the power of his presence because you literally I mean you have experienced that through your NDE through your near-death experience but now as you are alive uh, while here on earth you want to still experience that that same connection that you experienced in the NDE moment right uh, and, and greater and beyond. So thank you. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. And Wendy, if I could just say this, that yeah. if somebody really wants to experience the presence of God, begin praying for others. Yeah. And by, by, I would encourage everybody listening to start to pray for their pastors, their wives and children. Yes. Our, uh, a strong church, uh, a strong church is a strong America. A strong church, the church is the answer for America. The church is the answer for the world. And our pastors and our, our their wives and children are under such stress and such demonic activity. Uh, Satan wants to destroy the church. So if we would learn, the Bible says, if we could take the shield of faith with that shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If we would go before God daily and begin to intercede for our pastors, their wives and children, and, and, and in your mind, take the shield of faith wherewith we can quench all the fiery darts of hell. Hold it over your pastor. Hold it over his wife. Hold it over the staff. If You may never preach a sermon. You may never teach a Bible study. But you want to become a man or a woman of God that has great impact for the kingdom of God? Begin to pray for your pastor, his wife, and his children, your yes. church. Begin to intercede 
Ask God to bless them, to strengthen them, to protect them, become that intercessor for them. Yeah. So good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Jim, uh, this is exactly what Wendy and I have been starting to do more of because of just the the fires that you're going around lighting in people who have not been praying very diligently for their pastors. So we're sort of expecting our church now to explode because we even more so. Yeah. <laughs> Great expectation. I, I know that's core. That's core essence of uh, of your ministry. And thank you for just preaching that, teaching that, and inspiring so many others. So I I kind of feel like you know we started out we were going to have a podcast episode today, but instead we had it's church, which full on church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, bless you, our brother. We love you. We yes, thank you thank for the you. way you're letting God use you, man. Just uh, just keep it up because uh, we need this kind of encouragement. So again, yes. thank you. We're going to keep praying for you, and uh, we thank want everybody you. to stay in touch with you. So get over yes. to Jim's website. Yes, it's acts413.net. And so again, thank you, Jim. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you soon, hopefully. All right. Thank you, guys. Take Thanks care. For being on. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. You know, honestly, Jim is is one and only. Like he is well, one of a kind. He has experienced, I mean, he's just experienced yeah. Jesus firsthand through his near-death experience, but also he's just on he's just on fire. Like let's yeah. keep lighting these fires and, and watch the Holy Spirit well, I think stoke the, the flame. When the reality of who God is really came to him. When, yeah. when he met Jesus. Yeah. And he continued on that pathway and God continued to open up doorways and to lead him. Uh, he's just he's just continuing to go deeper and deeper, and all the while, you know, he's got these successful businesses going yeah. and growing and raising a family. God is his partner, but you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. So I think there isn't a single one of us whom God hasn't gifted in such a way that um, we can be used of God yeah. to bring others to Jesus. So let yeah. that be our encouragement to you today. And uh, let's start praying the word back to God and expect great things. Yes, I love it. We hope this uh, podcast episode inspired you, encouraged you, motivated you. And if so, please share with others and uh, help get this message along. Again, if you want to learn more about uh, Jim and just the power of prayer and how to go deeper, go to acts413.net and you'll find the resources there. But we appreciate you turning, tuning in to your biggest breakthrough, but we will catch you uh, next week right here on the show. And share this with others, please. Yes, yes. Be blessed. So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.